Welcome to the One Signal Podcast, where we aim to help companies build meaningful and lasting relationships with their customers. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've been off the air for a couple months trying to regroup, but today we've got a great show. It's actually a, a cut up from a webinar we did last week around the Apple Epic ruling, specifically with a partner of ours and a customer of ours on the One Signal side, a Revenue Cat and RapChat. So I will do an intro here with them, and then the, the sound will be a little bit different because it's recorded from a, a webinar. But I hope you enjoy. Great insights. Let me introduce our three esteemed guests. From a customer standpoint, it's Seth Miller, he's CEO and co-founder of RapChat, which is a, a mobile app used by over 7 million music creators, allows you to easily make and record music on your phone. Really cool service. I highly recommend uh, trying it out. And Jacob Iting. Jacob is the CEO and co-founder of RevenueCat a subscription platform built for mobile apps, really cool product. And Jacob in particular is really well-versed and very knowledgeable about what's going on with the payment space within the mobile ecosystem and can talk at length about this. Great follow as well on Twitter. I recommend following the Revenue Cat blog. They're doing a great job of synthesizing what's happening with the ruling and what's going on in the ecosystem in general. And then George Deglin is uh, our third CEO and third guest. He's the co-founder and CEO of OneSignal, which is uh, the most widely used user engagement messaging platform used by uh, over a million companies and delivered 10 billion plus notifications per day. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into the intro part where Jacob is talking about the summary of the Apple and Epic battle, and we get into some of the content around the services and how they play out. And then in QA, so question and answer from the audience overall. So I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, so here's the agenda. We'll go through Epic versus Apple ruling, the importance of messaging channels, and then a fireside CEO chat. All right. I'm here to talk about payments. So just a little more color, like Revenue Cat is essentially like an abstraction layer for the app stores and play store and rolls that up into a platform to let you do payments more easily across these different stores so part of that is like we're really on the beat of what's going on right now with the app stores because you know, when we started this company a few years ago i didn't think that we'd be heading into like the most news dense period i think of the app store ever but the last like two and a half years have been insane and i think even more so in the last like quarter because we've got the results of this case where Epic, the creators of Fortnite, I don't know when did they just like last year, they pulled this big PR move where they, Apple and Google are famous for saying, if you're going to sell digital goods in our stores, you have to use our payments. And Tim Sweeney is the, the CEO of Epic, kind of has an ax to grind and like never liked this. And so they did this big move where they intentionally put in their own payment processing in Fortnite. Apple pulled them down because it was a violation of their services. And then, of course, this was like a big chess move for Epic. And then they filed suit very shortly after to try to leverage some concessions from Apple on how the app stores work. Apple and Google famously take a, like a 30% cut in, in most cases of all payments, which is above what a, like a processor like Stripe might do, which is in the single digit percentages. And so <laughs> we've been watching this drama play out for the last year. And uh, the case was finally ruled on like a month ago or so. And actually Epic lost about every single one of their points. <laughs> they wanted to be able to have their own app store. They they asked for the moon and really they kind of got shut down on most things, except for there's this really interesting side injunction that the the judge issued, which targeted a very kind of narrow aspect of the app store, the way the payments are enforced on the app store, which was this steering provision. But but Apple's not only said like you, you have to use our payments, but you're kind of not allowed to send users to any alternative payment methods. And this creates a lot of like contradictions and confusion for an app developer. Biggest example I can think of is Netflix. So like Netflix, if you download the Netflix app today, you can't sign up because Netflix has decided that the cut that Apple takes is too big. So you can't do it. So what happens is you, you go there, you can log in, but you can't create an account. And there's other examples. Amazon is another good example of the bookstore. Like you can't buy books on the Amazon or sorry, the Kindle app because the 30% cut like doesn't make the economics work. So it creates this very odd experience. That's like very like flashy examples of this, but it goes all the way down to all developers. I think one famous example that I've had, Apple doesn't want you to link out to anything that's going to have payments or in the past they haven't. I remember one case where an app I was working on got rejected from app review because we had a link to our terms of service on our website from there you could get to a payment page. And they were like, oh no, you're linking out to payments. So back to this injunction, 
basically the judge said, you can't do that anymore. You have to allow developers to send their users out of the app or a lot, just, a, just like you cannot control how developers communicate with their users in terms of payments. And that when this hit like arrow pandemonium, the whole, like at least my corner of the internet was pandemonium. Everybody was like, oh, you need to get on to do the app store anymore. Like no more payments, like no more app store payments. Like you can put Stripe credit card forms in your apps and everything. Turns out that's an overblown interpretation. I think in most cases, Apple is absolutely still going to require everybody to have in-app purchases, which is using their as at least an option. At least Apple's interpretation and kind of like the generally accepted interpretation is that, well, now you're at least going to be able to send people to alternate payment methods. And so that's kind of a big deal because you can build, I think, a pretty seamless flow that way. You can say like, just link out to a website. You could even pre-auth people in your app, have them do the payment on a website, redirect them back into the app. It's a little bit more friction, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, that's been kind of always the uh, balancer. The benefit of the app store is the payments have been really seamless. And so like you can cut down the friction quite a bit. So it's really interesting. I guess like starts to open up now. Now, so that's that's the facts of the case. Like right now, app developers are going to have more freedom. So that's an awesome overview. We'll get into the impact in a second. And for those of you who have joined Jacob is a resident expert on this and has done a lot of blogging on the topics. So there's a very strong depth of, of knowledge here. Yeah, I can so, talk for like an hour, 40 minutes is, about it if you want, but I, I imagine we well, have better that, questions to go around. <laughs> and that's the plan. But I'm curious, as you think about RevenueCat, let's do a little bit of background. And how does RevenueCat kind of play into this? And, and why are you this resident expert on this ruling? Yeah, I mean, so we we live at this intersection, right, like of getting consumers to pay developers to to build apps. And that's, you know, our, the bread and butter for our product has been the app store. We've, we've just figured out all the quirks and weirdnesses of these app stores and made it much easier for developers to use. And so, you know, with this new freedom, developers might want to try other stuff. And it's not trivial, like at creating a payments page is not just like something, it sounds like something really glib. You can just like say like, oh yeah, just add payments. It's like, actually it's, you know, you're not reinventing something. You can copy a lot of it, but it's still a lot of work. There's still a lot of yak shaving and like hooking things up and like, you know, user experience things. So this slide that's up now is a, is a preview of something we're working on to kind of give developers a place they can send users to. So without having to stand up your own like point of sale and all that stuff, here's a link that you can attach to your user that you can easily send somebody out to and, and complete a payments process and then redirect them back into the app, building it with the understanding of what we, how we think this injunction will get enforced by Apple. There's a lot to this though. Like you can't see like, oh, how does a user now manage their subscription? You're talking about subscriptions at least specifically, like where do they go to cancel? Well, they got to have a page for that too, right? <laughs> and then the app store handles that for you. What happens when their credit card doesn't charge? Like their credit card, you need like emails and communications and all that stuff. So I think it's our goal. Like we would love to allow developers to try this without like the huge capital investment. But I think there's still a lot of, even we're even questioning like how much is this going to benefit users? And then also like developers, is this going to be this huge windfall? I think there's, it may be, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have enough certainty to say no, but it definitely feels like there's enough friction and questions and because I don't think this is going to drastically change the world. This specific injunction, if it even goes into effect, there's an appeal in a couple of weeks that that's going to be heard to stay the injunction. But if you look at like what's happening everywhere, so many different jurisdictions around the world are like trying to get a bite at this problem, trying to liberalize it, trying to get more for their developers that Apple is going to either get regulated in weird ways in many different countries, which is going to be painful for like everybody on this panel, <laughs> or Apple is going to have to make some really like strong concessions to kind of like cool. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, like, I guess a year ago, my bias would have been towards the status quo is going to kind of hold right now. I feel like there's just too much momentum, like something fundamental is going to change. I don't know if it's going to be a half step or if it's going to be what we're seeing here or even something further. The essence of revenue cat was pre-exist, obviously the Epic thing. And, and your vision is to empower app developers with, with a payment subscription platform. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we, I mean, we, we obviously want to work with Apple and like, they're very important partners, I think to everybody on this call, right? Like Seth, probably the most, at, at somebody building an app, they're a huge partner. George, your, your guys' technology is very parallel to ours in the sense that you're interacting with like uh, push notification services provided by these um, folks. 
but you know, we're firmly on the developer side in the sense that we don't want to like make Apple mad, but we're definitely going to, and Google mad, but we're definitely going to try to build technology to maximize the benefit for developers and ideally their users as well. I think that's one of the things I'm torn about in this whole space. And I'd love to hear other people chime in, but like, it doesn't feel like this is necessarily good for users. <laughs> like it might be good for an individual developer, but I think the median consumer probably stand, well, maybe not even the median, but the consumer who decides to pay this way, I'm not totally convinced, at least initially until like a lot of UX investments are made that this is going to be all that beneficial to the end user. Yeah, but we'll see. Okay, let's get us over to George. Love to hear from you on importance of owned messaging channels. Sure. So we started OneSignal. It was actually born out of our experience as running a mobile game studio. And our vision is to democratize customer engagement. We believe that every company should have access to powerful and easy tools to message their customers. The part that we help our customers with is to better engage their users, better retain their users, and of course, to, to grow their business with their users, of which subscriptions is, is increasingly a very popular and fast-growing channel for mobile companies to build upon. So, yeah, I mean, as we've, as we've thought about some of these changes, um, and of course, worked closely with you know, folks like Jacob at RevenueCat and, and many of our customers like Seth at RapChat, there's kind of a few areas that we see this ruling and sort of the, the market trends really impacting the ecosystem. I think the first is that, uh, to Jacob's point, there have been models of apps that previously just had a hard time being successful in the App Store. I think certain established brands like Netflix, you know, it's not really a big deal for them to get users to subscribe through their website or other means, even though they can't steer people towards a subscription page in the app. But if you're an up and coming business, you know, you're really kind of stuck. You, you're basically very reliant on the App Store payment system. And maybe that's okay. Maybe you don't mind giving that 30% cut for the convenience it provides users. But of course, if you're if you're an entertainment app or things like that, or or you know, you're a marketplace where you have to actually pay someone for the content that you're providing, like Netflix or or Amazon being a good example, Amazon Kindle being good examples, it's really, really tough to build that kind of business. So we see this ruling actually leading to more apps being developed, overall growth of the mobile ecosystem in, in places where it's been held back before. And as there's this greater shift to mobile and this growth of the ecosystem, that means that when it comes to things like customer engagement, which is you know, a big focus of ours, businesses need to become more savvy with it and, and start using newer tools. So another part is you can think about how as more people are leveraging subscriptions and as your subscription revenue increases as a business, retention becomes incredibly important. Your users are all more valuable now. And so there's a couple elements there. There's elements of making sure that your customers are getting value and, and using messaging to provide that. There's also elements around now that Apple allows you to actually steer users to other payment methods, you can think about maybe you can't get a user to pay through the App Store mechanism, but you can give them a discount to pay you via another mechanism and use something like an in-app message or a notification or email uh, to steer them to that option which of course is, is a really powerful new ability for developers. And then finally, personalized messaging becomes really important, right? When you have more paid subscribers, uh, when you have people that are subscribed via different means, whether it's an in-app subscription or an alternate payment mechanism, personalization is more and more important. Yeah, and then finally, we're very closely integrated with RevenueCat. We see subscriptions as such a fundamental part of the industry and subscriptions and engagement being tied very closely together as critical capabilities for an application. And so there's a couple of ways that this integration works and some of the capabilities it provides. So just some examples. The first is maybe you have users that are on a free trial. You can use OneSignal to send notifications or in-app messages or emails or SMS to make sure that the users are getting value from the trial and ultimately convince them to upgrade. We get events from RevenueCat when users churn. And so you can do re-engagement campaigns and try to win back churn customers. Uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. One yeah. thing that's easy to do with us, with OneSignal, that is maybe a bit difficult to do on your own is like even when somebody switches their status, so when they haven't like canceled yet, hasn't expired yet, but they're just sure the intent, they're like, ah, I'm not going to finish this trial. You can mm -hmm. hit them like pretty quickly with a notification to ask them for some feedback or like move to an alternate method. I think it's really powerful. Anyway, sorry, George. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So overall, just being able to understand the user's subscription process and their journey as a paying customer within your mobile experience is really crucial. And especially as new payment methods get introduced, you can imagine that previously messages that might have been handled all 
by Apple, like make sure your credit card number is correct or it's not expired, things like that. Now you actually have to rely on building these channels out yourself. And, you know, our integration with Revenue Cat really simplifies a lot of that, that effort. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Jacob, George. We're going to get into the Fireside CEO chat now. Seth, we're going to kick it off with you. We've oh. got a question for everybody, but Seth, I'd love for you to just kick this off, which is how do you think the Apple ruling will impact subscription-based payment models for you specifically or in general? It could be for RapChat. It could be for just your personal opinion. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. Lots in the air for us. We're not trying to jump the gun and are leaving it up to the Georges and Jacobs of the world <laughs> who are going to be kind of the first line of fire. You know, that's not a cop-out answer. I just think like there's so much up in the air and that's the reason we use a revenue cap. That's the abstraction layer. I'm pretty sure they'll know when it's good to go or not. I think for us, yeah, we're excited about it. Obviously, like the headline is, oh, you can offer subscriptions and lose less of your money to Apple. Like, you know, I think that's obviously pretty it's dope easy, for any easy product to sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like sign me up when it's ready, you know, but I do think to think about it a little differently, what is exciting is the fact that we use platforms like OneSignal and Revenue Cat because it'll make it a lot more real for us to be able to roll our own like payments infrastructure. And I don't mean just Revenue Cat as payments infrastructure. I mean, George was saying like, the email, the communications, yeah. you know, the landing pages. And I think when it becomes a reality, we'll be ready to jump and test it because of these tools. Whereas like if these tools didn't exist, if your guys' companies didn't exist, I'd be much more hesitant to be like, yeah, I think I'm good. Like I'm it's, not going to like handle. Cost, right? When you guys yeah, think about exactly. what you're going to build next quarter, are you going to take a bet on something? Like I can, we can take a bet. And if it doesn't pan out, we have enough companies, somebody will get use out of it. Maybe it's not our banner thing. But for end app developers, it's like every quarter you need to be making some bet that could be huge, right? And I just yeah. don't think, I'm not sure it's there yet. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And I'm ready to make a bet, you know, like when it gets a little further along, like, and I, I do keep tabs. Like I know, obviously Jacob mentioned at the beginning, like Netflix doesn't let you sign up. They can afford to make those bets at scale, but I do keep in touch with quite a few other like indie developers that have seen promising results doing web checkouts like George said, even now where, you know, as soon as you sign up, like you might get an email and this is probably breaking their terms, but like you might get an email that's like, Hey, if you sign up on web, we'll give you a 60% discount because that's how much more impactful those are. So, you know, I think there's huge opportunities. I think it's probably net beneficial in general to democratize that for the, the customer as well. You know, I, I see a lot of those points, but we're just kind of going to be ready to do whatever. I think it's only going to go up. I mean, I think there's only going to be improvements, even with the small business program last year, that was our first year doing subscriptions. So like that was really beneficial, but you know, that's a roundabout way of answering your question. And I had to imagine Apple's going to fall suit. Google just dropped at 15%, basically everybody's small business program for subscriptions last week. Yeah. And so yeah. I have to imagine Apple's not going to be far behind. So yeah, that's which a good point, Jacob. Actually, since, since we had our uh, prep session, <laughs> I told you guys already, stuff would happen. We've already, yeah, we've <laughs> already had an impact. On that note, George, what do you think? What's the impact of the ruling long term going to be? Yeah, overall, I think we're seeing this sort of revival of competition between Google and Apple that is actually like putting more money into the hands of developers and businesses. And that's fantastic. I think this is so overdue. It's so long that both companies were basically charging like 30% for everything, which is huge. Now that's really, really changing. So that's going to be great for the overall ecosystem. And I think it's going to really accelerate a lot of the industry, both kind of existing apps that are going to be making more from their subscriptions, whether that's through just Apple and Google lowering the amount they take or by having alternate ways that they, they build customers. And of course, it's going to open up new business models that weren't previously possible because the margins weren't there. Yep. And Jacob, I, I saved you for last because in the prep you had, you actually had a really nice contrarian take, but you also just mentioned the Google thing, which is clearly oh. already back. So true contrarian. So same question, like how do I think it's all going to shake out? Yeah. Like um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, like the impact, what's your take? 
I'll tell you like why I'm contrarian. I think what's, what are the, the good and the bad of where we are right now? I think the competition, as George was saying, is really good. I think that Apple and Google just not being too comfortable in the status quo of how much they're charging for this service, which it is a service. Like, I don't think there's that many developers. I, mean, I do encounter the occasional developer who feels like Apple should pay 0% and they do nothing. I'm like, yeah, that's not really true. Like, if you really know what it takes to distribute and do a lot of the work they do on Dunning and taxonization, that's just on payments. But then you think about all the investment in the platform, the tooling, like, and I'll talk about Apple here because that's like my background, but like Google's mobile tooling is really great too. Like we have two really good mobile platforms that are continuously being invested in and they would not have that incentive to invest if they weren't skimming money, right? And so you benefit from all of those things. And so like to say like they should get less, it's like, yeah, maybe like, Ideally, that's what markets are for, right? Like markets will tell us how much they should get because they will have to compete with each other. It's hard. And this was like kind of the crux of all of these discussions about Apple and antitrust because it's like not truly a market. It's a duopoly and there's like the lots of different sides to it. It's not clear that market forces are really going to set this fee. So I'm happy that that's happening. And then it at least will be, it'll be these, it's not going to be a true free market, but we'll have these like iterative steps towards like maybe like an ideal. Because to, again, to George's point, the more money developers keep, it's kind of like a lower taxes thing. Like developers are very incentivized to grow their businesses in most cases, right? That's where they're going to get the most like value uh, is in the asset value of their business. So the bigger it is, the better. And so I, there's, I've seen some good contrarian. We've tried to pencil the math out internally is like, maybe even if Apple cut, like that money's probably gonna get reinvested into apps, which could potentially increase the app store faster, right? There's some argument that the more they tax, the more, it's holding growth back on the app store. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. My biggest concerns are complexity for developers. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to shield some of it and ideally as much as we possibly can. And like over time, like I think we're going to have something pretty scruffy initially and then as things start to like evolve, we'll invest more. And ideally we have something that's plug and play and can get you into basically take advantage of it maximally. There's a lot to build there. So I worry about that complexity. And then I think, Lastly, it's the consumer complexity. Like I think about, I was thinking like, what's an analogy? Like you open some apps or websites sometimes, it comes up with like 15 different payment providers and it makes you like feel good. And you're not like, oh, do I want to use Alipay or Bitcoin or whatever? You're just like, uh, this feels weird, right? And so I, I worry that this like really kind of nice app store purchasing experience where like all paywalls, not all paywalls, but like so much of the purchasing experience on mobile is so uniform it's kind of a good thing because the consumers just know, okay, I've hit the paywall. Here's your scroll to give me the F's and B's for this features and benefits for this product. And then I'll hit purchase. I'll do my little like uh, touch ID or face ID thing. And it's purchased. Like we might lose that. And I think that, I think that's potentially a headwind for a lot of people like consumers, developers, kind of everybody. And so I think what I would love is Apple just is like, uh, this is too much. Like, Let's drop to 15. Maybe Google, maybe they know something. Maybe they're cahoots. I don't know. It's just rumor, rumor. I'm making that up. I have no insider knowledge. But like, if we can just lower the fees, everybody's like chills for a minute and we're just like kind of enjoy this thing we have going. Like maybe that would be actually to everybody's benefit. But if you look across like every jurisdiction, it's like the cat is out of the bag. Like this thing is going to go someplace. And I'm just not convinced right now that it's going to be an optimal <laughs> equilibrium we arrive at. So we'll see. I mean, it's great for, you know, selfishly, it's great for revenue cats, it's great for tool companies because like we'll benefit from making it simple again. But I think, yeah, it's just a lot up in the air still. So. Well, that's good. That's a good segue. So George, you touched a little bit on how this would impact the mobile ecosystem, specifically touching on retention. Does this change strategies that people should be, like companies should be thinking about to be focused on retaining their existing user base and growth? Yeah, for sure. So you can imagine, even if the change is, if, if people still sort of stick to Apple or Google's payment mechanisms as sort of a primary channel, but the cost comes down, like everyone's margins go up, their customer value goes up. And so user retention just becomes more and more crucial, especially if you're paying customers, you're now making, you know, so you can claim more money from them. One of the other opportunities that's going to exist is actually because these steering provisions are being removed, you can now send content messages that you previously were, like, weren't allowed to send, right? You can actually now show an in-app message that directs users to an alternate payment mechanism. There was another, there was a change in, since the, the period we prepped to now about this, like that's yeah. great for you guys. Like Apple, I think it was in response to the South Korea case or no, maybe it was the Japan case, whatever. But like, it used to be that you couldn't, you weren't supposed to be like, send a one signal push to be like buy online. 
everybody right. kind of did. It was just this open secret. And now yeah. Apple dropped that. So yeah. it's open season to use one signal to push people to other payments, which is great. I mean, they weren't enforcing it, but it's nice to have it like the 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 written rules. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think in the past, like people's hands are really tight and you can just be like, oh, like, you know, we can only steer people to buying our app. And some companies that weren't able to do that because of margin issues, like just couldn't send that at all. You can't send notifications. Just couldn't exist, you right? like, you. The company wasn't there, right? Right. So it's pretty incredible to think about the opportunities that emerge and how developers can, can take advantage of them. But I think uh, you brought up a great point, Jacob, on, on the user experience side of it. Probably the failure mode is going to be like, companies throwing like a hundred payment. Yeah. <laughs> options it's, 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 it's internet. It's web cookies for payments, right? Like it's the world yeah. we're in on web right now, just because these like regulators at a distance don't necessarily drive us to like optimum user experiences. Right. Or maybe they achieve yeah. the goal in a weird. And then, yeah. So that, that's my big fear right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our advice to all the people that use one signal is to think about the messages you send as a core component of your product and look at it as an extension of the product experience um, and put kind of the same thought and effort and research into it. And I think that, it re that really applies here as well, is if you're going to be doing anything around like guiding users to other payment mechanisms or send them like messages related to that, it's critical to be thoughtful about what, you know, what is the end user experience of that? And is that actually going to be better um, and make you more money? I just wanted to call out one quick thing that I noticed, at least talking to a few developers and you mentioned retention and I'm not sure if you're just talking user retention, but when it comes to subscription retention, I have heard people, I mean, Jacob's probably heard way more than me, but I have heard people having higher subscription retention with alternate payment methods than Apple, like Stripe, sure. for example, does a way better job of keeping your payments up to date, your payment methods than Apple, at least this is what I've heard secondhand. So you can imagine that is a huge factor in the whole monetization equation is your subscription retention. And so it becomes the dominating factor over time, right? That's what George Yeah, yeah like, like the most important. Yeah, right. So because of everything George has said, even with the steering, I mean, I'm thinking about it even on this panel, you know, like, why are we not like there, that there is a lot of opportunity there. If you can prove that our users actually have a better checkout experience, or they might not have an exact better checkout experience, like Jacob said, so easy, but like, say they just are better with keeping their payments up to date or the provider. You know, there's a lot of things to investigate on that front where it could help retention go up to do it yourself. I'll cast some doubt on this. I don't have numbers, <laughs> which is that I think that, that I, I think you're right. I haven't looked at the data certainly in our system or in, in any case, but I have heard that same truism or, or factoid. And I always think like, well, you got to look at the denominator, right? Like who, yeah, who are right. the people That's actually the did they're yeah. like, they're community, they're giving, you know, one signal contact info for like messaging. They're, they're really like opted in and bought in and then they get this like deal. And I don't know, it's just like, it's not an apples to apples comparison because I think there's, there's real challenge. One very tangible benefit that Apple has is that it's the same card for rap chat yeah. as it is for calm, as it is for every other subscription on your phone. So like you're incentivized if it goes bad to like, fix all 10 of your apps and not just rap chat or just calm, right? There's, there's a little bit stronger. And so that's why I'm skeptical of that fact. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't know, but I, you know, I don't know. I haven't had, I haven't gone through. Well, don't call experience. it fact. This is just rumor. Don't call <laughs> right. it fact. I don't know for sure. I haven't tried it. Well, I can't say for us, but I mean, it, well, then there's no fact yeah. to it, right? Like yeah. every app is going to be different or like who, right. you know, yeah. and that's to George's point, like being very thoughtful, like it's yeah. going to depend like, how are you getting this payment method to somebody? Yeah. Like, are you getting to right. email? Are you getting it through like some sort of like other experience? Like, designing and to extend George's point about messaging being part of the products, like payments yeah. are too. I mean, yeah. subscription app developers, I think they spent, I don't know, Seth, how much time you spend on like paywall placement and like paywall, like it sucks a lot of time because it can often be very high leverage. If yeah, you find yeah. like good paywall copy, good paywall experience, and then ultimately good like point of sale experience. So like you spend a lot of time there, but just thinking about, yeah, holistically, like, that dunning experience, that turning experience, those, yeah. those retention messaging, it really does like matter over time. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. I'm glad we got that point out though, Jacob. That was a, that was a nice one last week about the fact that, you know, look, this may not be a benefit to be alternative. Some it may, some it may not. I do think that's an important point if you're paying for your Apple subscription service with a card and the same card you're using for other services, the likelihood that you updated it's high. But I think it's hard to A/B test it, but it seems it seems well, like no, it makes it sense, probably, right? Like, it probably yeah. goes both ways. There's probably services where it'd, it'd be easier. 
I'm going to update it and I'm going to care more about it. The counter to that too is Apple makes it so easy to cancel a service. Yeah. Unlike other things where it's really difficult. It's hard to quantify too. It's hard to quantify what that does to user willingness to engage, right? Like if, I mean, I'll just say anecdotally, like certainly I'm more willing to sign up for a trial in an app on in app purchase because I know exactly how to cancel it, even if it is kind of (laughs) clunky, like it sucks still, but it's still like better than, there are still like, I don't know, meal service, not to call any specific ones out, but there are still a lot of consumer oriented subscription stuff that are super consumer hostile when it comes to canceling trials and stuff, which is just unacceptable. I think we should shame all of them on Twitter when they yeah. do it. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like, have a better product, maybe. Whoa, shots fired in the CEO. Whatever. But like, <laughs> Apple, I'm willing to do that. And so when I think about this future where you're going to send me to a website and okay, it's, you know, even if it's, I don't know, I just, I, I you know, there's, there's so many of these variables about purchasing and it's so easy to spook a consumer especially around i mean i'm old enough to remember in the in the late 90s and like when people didn't use amazon because it's like oh i'm not gonna put my credit card on the internet like it's just give away all my money right i think that people are different now and like have different expectations but that natural hesitancy about your money and how like you're getting charged is still there so i don't know i think there's like lots of opportunities for us to to make it actually worse Yeah. Well, so that's a good question. So it's a good segue to a a question back to you. There's two parts to this. One is what additional advantages do you think this unlocks other than the avoiding the 30% platform tax? And then what types of kind of companies do you think will benefit most from this change from using web payments? George, you kind of called this out with companies that just can't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Examples. You know, we talked about some and just like content provider ones, right? Netflix. I mean, Netflix can because they're Netflix, but yeah, there's, there's a long tail of and i'm not gonna get into like user generated content stuff but like even just like standard netflix model like content provider model was very challenging in the present with the present rule set so these i'm not talking about any of those i'm that i think this is a clear win for them like yeah i mean i think it would be the world the best world would be apple works with them on an individual basis to make it work but i think yeah this is a, a good enough but then yeah i think about that all the time like what are the companies that don't exist because of the model like with these payments it doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah i mean think okay. about like the biggest ones that do it now like they're going to benefit billions of dollars spotify or netflix they're the ones that are suing them <laughs> epic so you know yeah, we'll they're, see they're we'll see <laughs> yeah, they're going to win. Like this is this is huge for them. 1% is like billions and billions of dollars of revenue. So and, and talk about 15 or all the way down to 3, the power of those wins are, is crazy. I think for us smaller companies will, you know, we'll have fun like optimizing our our routes and stuff, but the whales are just kind of like it's just going to be nuts. I th- I think a lot about these like kind of in between and interesting model companies. Like I I've I should have checked with them before, I, uh, so I won't name them, but there's content generation companies that are kind of UGC, but kind of first party. It's like they have a certain type of content and they have like a stable of content creators and they've actually done it via IAP. And it is a nightmare. Just the way yeah, that IAP right. is managed yeah. and all this, and they've, they've, they've gone through, gone into, I think they've, they've automated it with like scrapers and stuff, but they've gone in and created a product for every single consumer and then like had a subscription and like Apple just did not build the tooling with that in mind. And it's a total nightmare to administer, to pay out. Plus you're like, every dollar you get from a consumer, Apple takes 30. Then, you know, if you've got content creators selling a $5.99 thing, they're not going to be happy with $2, right? That's going to look really, regardless if Apple takes it or you take it, it's going to look really bad. So there's just really no margin there for the, the app creator, right? Like Apple takes a chunk and then the rest goes to the creator and there's very thin margin. So those companies just tend to not get created and so like, I think, you know, Cameo is a good example of this where you have like a limited set of content creators, right? But it's, it's so it's kind of user generated, but it's also like curated. And then my favorite part of work, working in this whole industry is just that I can't even imagine the apps that don't exist. <laughs> like yeah, you right. just see them come in and like even rap chat, like I would have never, I mean, it makes, it's just, it makes sense in hindsight when you see it, but it makes total <laughs> sense. But then like, you're like, you never, this is thing that never come out of my, my brain. But Seth, have you, I mean, without blowing up your product roadmap, like, have you guys thought about aside from like a premium purchase kind of thing, have you thought about like what a liberalized payment ecosystem? Oh yeah. I mean, I was literally just on a panel for this music tech conference and I shared most of our roadmap. So it's all good. It's going to be very complex for us. The next big frontier is introducing a a marketplace layer, a transaction layer between users on our platform. Because what we see is like, we'll have artists that have 50 followers and an artist that has 50,000. 
and they're willing to pay the artist that has 50000 to be on their track. What does that look like in the payment system? What, what does that look like in the infrastructure? Can, can and, you even do that in IAP rules as they stand? I don't even sure. know if you can. And that's why I was going back to like thinking of, I don't know if you guys saw the Twitter super follows thing, but someone tweeted a picture of like, Super follows in-app purchases with each. Yeah, they they did the trick where they created a. a, a, I was like, word on the street is that they got they had like help. Like Apple was like, send us a giant. Which like, by the way, if you're a random developer, you don't get that kind of help. As much as I like to think Apple's a good company to work with, like they just can't do that for everybody, right? And so like, that's one example of like the stuff that's not getting built because payments is a little bit out of sync on. Or Apple has like sort of a limited view of what payments mean instead of like for that specific example like yeah it might be fine like you could do it like with kind of how uber works like you don't yeah right that's yeah but you might not and you might not know until you built the whole thing and then you submit it and then they get rejected (laughs) so it's like that has this chilling effect right where you just don't even build that's what i mean these companies that never exist like i this is through doing revenue cat and meeting with app developers and usually the early stages of their monetization like figuring it out Every time somebody comes to me with something that's like weird, I say weird, like it's kind of like yeah, pushing yeah. the limit of the answer. I say like, good luck. <laughs> like I can't give you a lot of like, I can't confidently say this is going to be a walk in the park because I've just seen app review and Apple's like policies be kind of hostile. Maybe not intentionally. It's not like they're set out to crush those companies, but just the way that the rules are set up and how they're trying to get their 30%. It always seems like those companies really die on the vine or just have a real challenge. And so... That's maybe if I have given any like really positive case to like bringing down the app store fee level even or like just making it better, like seeing new cool stuff happen. I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. Seth, there's a question for you. What strategies have you implemented so far to maximize subscription revenue? And specifically, how do you think about omnichannel messaging to drive subscription and user retention? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a game changer. It's an integral part. Like George said, an extension of our product. That's just like table sticks. You have to have really good notifications set up. We use them religiously in onboarding and try and just get people activated. So, I mean, backing up, like we launched subscriptions five years after we had our free app and had hundreds of thousands of like MAU. So it's kind of a different weird scenario where we had to introduce this payment layer into a bunch of people that, you know, we're used to having a free app. So for us, we really focused on just building like additional product and really just improving the product. And that was like giving people better creator tools and like really investing in the technology and like new things. We didn't pay well anything existing. So, that, you know, there's a little bit of nuance with us and we're probably a little different than a subscription app launching today that might have a different strategy. Uh, but I think it's a good one. I would say our model kind of mirrors a Duolingo in a way. We try and train the user, like get them activated. I mean, some of this is just 101, but like, get them understanding our functionality. And then what's this power up auto-tune vocal effect I can use, or what's this AI mastering that instantly makes my song sound better. And that's kind of when we hit them with the subscription. So we've truly just been focusing on product the last couple quarters. When we launched subscription, we went through a quarter or so of like, you know, tweaking the paywall and tweaking some pricing here and there and tweaking when they get the free trial offer from one signal and what day all that stuff we tinkered and we're still trying to get back to running some experiments on that front, but we've really been more so focused on the core product and just feel subscription. We got it in a good place. And like, if the product improves, all the subscription KPIs will improve. And uh, last point is we're actually going to launch another subscription product. So that distribution stuff like I mentioned, parallel? like I have two, parallel. Like- yeah, we're going to have gold. Gold is like creator tools, and then we're going to have platinum, which will be the... Are they going to be two tiers of the same sub? Like either... Can you do both simultaneously, or they be like... uh, No, platinum will just like... I think... uh, That's a good question, but how we were thinking about it was platinum was going to be its own thing, uh, but you would get access to all the gold functionality. Okay, so Um, it's like a... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like a level up, and it'll get your songs on Spotify. It's like a VIP tier, effectively. I think there's going to be a lot of investment over the next few years as these models mature to like, okay my most engaged users how can i build even more value for them and like ideally like reclaim some of that value as well one last question this goes to george how can messaging content be updated to take advantage of the new payment options or just some of the things from the ruling and then we'll get into the the audience questions yeah sure the obvious one that we covered a little bit is you're now able to send messages that steer people towards alternate payment options um, which previously was was prohibited by apple's terms so i think that's 
that's the most obvious opportunity. But I think the other one is now you have kind of a range of messages that you may actually need to send that you didn't send before around keeping your like credit card updated, for instance. This is actually, it's, it's harder than it sounds. I mean, maybe it already sounds a little hard because you, you have to think about like, what channel do you send that on, right? Like if the person has the app installed and a push notification is a great way to do it, they're likely to see it, they can click on it and get directed to, to the right page. If they uninstall the app, you may actually still want to get that message to them. And so falling back to a channel like email uh, or SMS in some cases is really important. So that's one of the things that, uh, that we've been investing in right now is making it very easy for customers to orchestrate messages across channels because there's a whole class of messages, whether it's subscription related or others, where you want to actually send it across multiple channels or, or fall back to channels that are going to be most effective based on where the person is in, in their experience. So I'll, I'll bring up like kind of related to one like revenue cat hack you can do. I've heard this is anecdata as well. It's hard to study, but that Apple does their own like update your credit card thing when it fails, but you also get notifications of that via revenue cat and like it's billing issue notification, plug that into one signal. And if you send, like if you have an engaged user, it might not be engaged. It might not care, but like you can send them and say like, Hey, your Apple thing's out of date, but just so you know, you're going to lose your rap chat gold right and that might it's just another point and it's like tied to your product yeah and for the users that are savable it's probably going to be more effective than the generic apple because some some users just don't care they're like whatever they just let it go right they're probably maybe going to turn anyway but customizing that messaging and this is where i'm stealing the question i read ahead in the chat was how we can use these two <laughs> together but i think that's a super good example and and, and that's where like pre-injunction where it's on the phone, like the in-app messaging and the like push notification messaging is super powerful because they can update their you can even link to like where they can update it in the app store settings. And that could be like a really good way to kind of just get a few percentage points up on your churn potentially. Yeah, that's a great point. And better, a lot better, I guess, than the user like sort of figuring out down the line. Like maybe they're like, oh, I don't know why I need to update this thing in Apple. I'll just do it some other time. Um, and bonk, they can't do like sick beats anymore because they lost their rap track gold and then they're mad at you, right? Uh, ideally avoid that. <laughs> it happens. Okay, we we actually touched on this a little bit. Jacob, George, and Seth actually have mentioned this in different passing, but can we give examples of how users are integrating and using Revenue Cat and OneSignal together? Are there other ideas here or thoughts? Jacob, why don't we start with you? Well, I was going to ask Seth. Like Seth, is there any uh, oh, like specific yeah. example of one campaign you guys are running off of a payments trigger? Uh, we were running one and we will like we'll use a payments trigger to get feedback from an in-app message that goes to like a form or we'll use a payments trigger to yeah like i don't think we have this running right now but we did a payments trigger where it's like introducing a feature you unlocked with rapchat gold if yeah. they haven't used that even feature. just so status like, right like yeah yeah like even just having their status with one signal it's like so you can design a campaign and like revenue cat will make sure that their status is up to date so you can say like only send this to premium or non-premium users yeah <laughs> that's like 90% of I mean, this, mobile marketing on, on for subscription apps is like yeah. not sending <laughs> promos <laughs> to people who already have a subscription because nobody likes that. And it's yeah. actually challenging yeah. if you're running a very light stack, like you're trying to just like outsource all your messaging and campaigning stuff, settings to one signal and outsourcing everything to us. <laughs> like prior to our tools being integrated, like if you were trying to like get that right in your own backend, just trust me from experience, it goes wrong. And I know that. Oh, we did I, it. I, we did it. Yeah, like, everybody. Yeah. I'll say the other one that was really effective, that is really effective. That's that's like I know for sure is running. Like in your first week, if you become an engaged user and you don't have a subscription, we send you an offer through one signal that's automated. So obviously that segment that feeds that offer comes from revenue cat data tags. So a lot of this is just making sure that like your segments are clean. And you can really only do that if you're either really good at managing data or you connect the two services and that performs for sure. And, and there's this excitement curve, right? When somebody downloads yeah. your app and yeah. you, you will have engaged users in that set, but there will be a volume of users who are like middly engaged that you can like have a chance at in that first week. And so like timing those messages and just being like it, discounts are great too. You'll get people like yeah. to go a little bit like who would buy who might not normally because they feel like they got a deal. And that's a super good use of, of the two tools together. Yeah, that's a great example. Okay, I've got a question for all three of you. Like people are tuning in to listen, to understand what's happening in the, the Epic Apple uh, battle, so to speak, and the changes in the marketplace around payments. 
where do you each go to keep abreast of the latest developments and keep learning and understand what's happening? I know, Jacob, you're a big blogger, so obviously uh, you're going to be one of those places, but where else do you go? I go to my team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I do a less first party blogging these days because it's so rapid. It's hard to keep up with. We're trying to synthesize this stuff on our blog as much as we can. Absent of promoing Revenue Cat, we're just trying to keep the story straight. We don't write about everything because, like, some stuff like Apple dropped their thing. We did write about our Google dropping their fee to 15% last week, but then there's like minor things. It feels like literally every two days, something is changing. So I don't know, Twitter, is that, that's not a good, you got to follow accounts. So I don't know, maybe Seth. And yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Jacob, your Twitter is worth following for sure. I feel like you're very up to date on all of the, the mobile developments, especially around subscriptions. And of course, the revenue cap blog is great. I really like, you've probably heard of this, Jacob, is mobile dev memo. Yeah, that's super good. Um, which is a yeah, very, very good collection. I think it's curated by someone who's just very, very savvy on the mobile ecosystem and links out to other like news articles and, and editorials on, on things that are, that are relevant to the ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, Eric Super, he writes that's an investor in Rap Chat. So I just literally follow him and read all, yeah, I read all of his stuff and I just fully trust him. And then obviously anything Revenue Cat. And I think there is like a subs app Twitter list. I don't know if you guys follow it that, I don't know who made it. I think maybe Thomas made it, but that's I in my Twitter list. Actually, as somebody I think it was Thomas. I always check that too, because usually, I think, I mean, I hope Eric's in there, but usually other people will like have commentary. So yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my, and of course I have like the benefit of being able to just ping him and be like, dude, what's up? Like, <laughs> tell me what, tell me what's I going I on. I had prepped a list for this, but yeah, Thomas Petit, he's a... Um, He's yeah, like a exactly. consultant and yeah. really understands the space deeply. We didn't talk about acquisition at all. There's been a lot of changes this year on that side too. It's just been an incredible amount of disruption this year. I feel like when I got into subscriptions in like 14, 15, it, it's kind of been more or less status quo, pretty stable. And then in the last year, it's just been like crazy, crazy modes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's big business now. So actually, uh, it's a good segue, Jacob, but you can take the first crack at it. What is What do you think this is two to three months down? How do you think this plays out? We touched on this a little bit, but not specifically answered yeah. this question. Yeah, no, I can. I, I, I just like was, yeah, talking to my team this morning about like how they think it's going to play out. So Apple has filed for a stay on the injunction. There's a hearing in a couple weeks. My gut and I think betting odds are on that it will get stayed, just because it has such broad implications for Apple that it at least deserves its own like hearing in case. Basically, so what will happen is they'll have a hearing. I think they'll decide, the judge will decide very quickly if the injunction will go in on December 9th or if it'll get stayed. We'll know that pretty fast. And then if it gets stayed, we're into court case land and like we're talking a year plus. So that's the bear case where it's not going to move very fast. But the bull case is that that's just the US. There is stuff happening in so many jurisdictions. Apple might just concede. Apple's and Google are supposed to report into South Korea because South Korea said, hey, you can't force only Apple payments. So they have to come up with a plan. And that's happening very shortly, I think in November. So there's going to be more clarity, but I don't know if it's specifically with the injunction, my money would be that it's going to get stayed. We're going to try to build with that until we know that's the case. We're still going to keep building these options because I just feel like it's coming. Like something is coming. Like the walls are going to come down either in one big blow or it's going to be like kind of slowly over the next couple of years. But if you're a developer, do not redo your Q4 roadmap to take advantage of this because I just don't think it's certain enough to invest in. You're going to be really sad if you like spent all your work on your paywall. That's probably higher leverage is what I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to, I'm actually going to pivot because there's a question here. That's a really good one. We get asked this a lot. And Seth, you're the most uniquely positioned to answer it, which is, as an early stage CEO of a growing mobile app, how important is it to invest in platforms and partners such as RevenueCat and OneSignal versus building this functionality in-house? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a heavy question for this panel. No, I think I've learned the hard way, for sure, Like in at least when it comes to like analytics or various tooling in general. But you know, I think it's very important. Like it's a cheat code. It's way easier. And I'm not just saying that like for, I mean, there's other tools, you guys have competitors, you know, like it is very important to look at how can you, well, let's just come up with the assumption, you know, you're early on in your product journey and your company journey, and you're trying to build really fast and you're trying to build a product that's not a direct competitor to RevenueCat or OneSignal. And if it's an app product, 
you need payments if you're doing payments and you need messaging. I can personally vouch for both these companies because I use them and I literally did the integration when we were like a company of three at one point as like the iOS engineer and it made it stupid easy. Like I didn't have to worry about anything. And that's really big when you're trying to find the product market fit or you're iterating on your product or you're scaling your company. If we're at 200 people, like there might be certain things, like I definitely want to build my own analytics infrastructure. I can tell you that like for sure at some point, and maybe that'll be the wrong bet. But like, you know, I, I think you have to revisit, but definitely for early stage, like it's a game changer. And definitely for the fact that these are touchy, really hard to build integrations when it like payments and notifications. And you could just read their blogs about like dealing with all like random server bugs and stuff. You wouldn't even know where to start. So, I mean, I pretty much prescribe like a list of <laughs> tools when, cause I get asked this question a lot, like what tools you use? I'm like, Revenue cap, one signal, I'll shout out Instabug, like stuff like that, where like you can just get your stack, like it helps get your pro core product off the ground. And then you have the necessities, right? You have the messaging, you have the payments, definitely need a crash reporting tool. You definitely need an analytics tool. And I think if you're, you're nuts, if you try to build, I mean, kudos if you do, but like, if you try to build all that yourself, you're just going to waste so much non-product time on that. And I'll say it's George and my job to make sure you don't deintegrate by keeping the product improving. <laughs> I yeah. love when people bring it up because it's like, I have to keep earning your business. We have yeah. to keep earning your business as you scale. So it keeps making sense to continuously keep partnering with us and not go another way. Yeah. yeah. And you guys think, are. Yeah. The, the other element here is it's very relevant to this conversation, which is that a lot of the technologies that we support are not staying still. This ecosystem is changing rapidly. And so it's not kind of like a one and done and, you know, you've got, you know, payment system, you actually have to like keep up to date with the changes. That that's happen. where people, that's where people miss. I'm sure they miss it with one signal too. It's like the ongoing investment. Like that's where you miss the costing for it. Yeah. Yeah. All the time, given how fast this ecosystem is changing. Yep. Well, George, Jacob, Seth, really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, so Thanks guys. Appreciate fun. it. Fun. Yeah, seriously. Well, that's the show. I really appreciate you joining and really appreciate our guests, Jacob, Seth, and George. It was wonderful speaking to them and, and getting a sense of how they think about their ruling and, and how these tools work together. If you enjoyed the, the podcast, please subscribe at your preferred podcast directory. You can find it at Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, and every other directory service out there for on a podcast. And if you're looking for a great customer engagement software used by more than 1 million companies across the globe, you can start using OneSignal for free today. It's a great free product. And as you mentioned, RevenueCat as well, great product for mobile payments and subscription services. They do a great job. And uh, lastly, thank you very much, Seth from RapChat, the RapChat team. You've been a great customer. So appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Take care.